Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, animal advocates, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and I hope you're having a great Sunday so far. Now, even though we mostly talk about pets on our show, we also try and talk about wildlife and the wonderful local sanctuaries that care for the beautiful wild animals that have nowhere else to go. One of my favorite local sanctuaries is Forever Wild, and it's run by Shemaine Alquist, who is really committed to caring for the animals in her care. She is a wonderful person, and she has some great stories. After our halftime break, we'll be hopping on the Easter Bunny discussion with Carolyn Charlin from the Bunny Bunch. So don't jump off, keep your radio tuned to K-Mozart, and we'll get started after a very quick message from the station. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on K-Mozart. I'm Marie Hewitt, and joining me now from Forever Wild is Shemaine Elquist. How's it going, Shemaine? It's going great. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. You're so much fun, and, and we actually haven't spoken in quite a while, so I wanted to check back with you and see how the sanctuary is going. Well, you know, it's always it's always a pleasure to be here. I feel very blessed that we have the sanctuary and we're able to be here for so many animals that need us. And uh, it's been a little bit of a rough winter. We've had a lot of broken pipes. We've dropped down to 15 degrees at one point last oh, month. No. So we've had a lot of maintenance going on. And, of course, all the maintenance is always due at the time of year where we're the slowest. Oh, uh, of so, um you know, we're really reaching out to people for a little bit of extra help if they can uh, for the winter time. But, you know, today it's it's bright. It's sunny, blue eyes over here. It's about 80 degrees. Uh, a lot of the parrots and the tortoises are itching to go back outside so they can be out in the nice warmth. Uh, we're looking forward to doing some improvements this year with building some uh, big macaw flight cages. Oh, nice. uh, we're going to be taking in a Canadian lake soon uh, from a private owner that can no longer keep uh, the the cats any longer. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of things going on. It's never a dull moment here. Is that how you get most of your animals, that they've, they've been kept by private owners and so they, they're not animals that can ever be released to the wild? Well, um, anything that's captive-born, as far as like a wild, exotic animal, anything that's captive-born, by law, has to stay in captivity the rest of its life. So obviously that's why one of the things that we do here at Forever Wild is promote uh, no breeding, no breeding, buying, selling, um, and uh, because, you know, they have to live in a cage the rest of their life. Yeah. Uh, we do get a variety of things that come through, but, yes, it does happen to be where... Um, You know, people get these animals, they love them as babies, they like to play with them, and then when they get to be too much of a little bit of a handful, they seem to get scared of the animals, depending on what, you know, if they get a tiger or a lion, or even if it's a serval or a Canadian lynx. In this this, uh, case, you know, uh, 
the, they get to a point where it's not fitting their lifestyle anymore. It's not fitting their means anymore, and they have to find some place for it to go. So that's when they find a facility like ours. Wow, and there really aren't a whole lot of facilities like yours, so I suspect that a lot of these animals probably end up getting destroyed. Yes, unfortunately, if they cannot find an opening at a place like mine, uh, it is, you know, we are dwindling. Facilities like ours are dwindling because the economy hasn't been exactly, you know, that great. Obviously, everybody knows that. Mm -hmm. And so it's really hard for people to pitch in that little extra as a uh, charitable contribution to places like ours because them themselves are having difficulty keeping food on their table right now. And, And a lot of people probably aren't familiar with the wildlife sanctuaries that are local. That's true, too. Um, Unless you get somebody that's really looking for something for their family to do and, you know, you have an open facility such as mine, uh, you know, you can Google and you can find places, but some facilities are not open to the public. And so it is really hard for people to know about us. There is not a lot of education out there that's, that's informing people about the problems we have with the black market of exotic animals and why there's a need for sanctuaries like us. Okay, okay. Now, let's talk about Forever Wild. Let's remind everybody where you're located, uh, what your hours are for visitation, and all that good stuff. Well, we're located in the high desert at 8545 Butte Road, Phelan. Uh, and we are near Hesperia, Victorville uh, areas. Uh, we're up here at the top at about 4,200 feet. Oh. Uh, so it, it gets a little chilly still right now. Um, we are open uh, six days a week. Uh, the weekends were open 12 to 5, and on the weekdays we're open 10 to 5. And at this point right now, we're still closed on Thursday, but I believe that as of June 1st, we are going to try to start opening seven days a week. Wow. Now, do you have mostly volunteers that help you out with this, or do you have paid staff? How does that all work? Yes, we actually have a volunteer program here. We have anywhere from 30 to 35 uh, volunteers that work here to earn uh, their um, hands-on experience so that they can further their careers and getting into zoos and, and even private facilities. Uh, we do require that they're going to school or have gone to school with an animal-related career degree. Um, that way we can give them this opportunity, which isn't anywhere, you know, you can't just find it anywhere to actually come into a facility and, and get this kind of hands-on experience. We teach them husbandry squ- skills. We teach them um, animal behavior here, um, enrichment, all kinds of things here. Wow. And so there's three different levels that they can uh, learn to achieve here, and then they get their letter of recommendation to hopefully um, get them to where their dreams and goals are. Oh, that's wonderful. I know a lot of people were very concerned about the volunteer who was recently attacked at another local sanctuary and I'm wondering if that has affected your sanctuary, perhaps in loss of visitors, and and how you're addressing the concerns. Well, you know, it is it is something that's devastating to hear, uh, especially you know she's so young, she had so much pro- promise. Uh, she was you know obviously an advocate for animals and and uh, loving what she did. Um, you know, we immediately sent out an email here at our facility to all of our active volunteers and explained to them this is why we have 
you know, the rules that we have, and this is why we go over and over uh, different protocols we have and, and uh, different things, forms they sign and all kinds of stuff to keep them on the ball because it does take a lot of dedication, commitment, and a lot of focus at this work. It's not just playing with animals mm-hmm. or some people come for interviews and they're like, I just want to go pet a tiger. It's not like that. You know, it's very structured. Uh, you have to be because you're dealing with some of the largest predators in the world that can obviously kill you. And, um, you know, we haven't seen really any kind of um, change in type of tours and stuff that we've done here. We have gotten emails and Facebook messages and phone calls asking if we knew, what, you know, really what happened, all that stuff. Basically, you know, that's really not should be the concern of the public. You know, that's something that they'll have to deal with and, and uh, it is a tragedy, and we and we all mourn for the the loss from for the company to lose such a cherished volunteer. And obviously, our our thoughts and prayers go out to the family that lost their daughter. Um, but it's not, you know this industry is just it's not fun and games. It is enriching to your heart, and it's a very emotional, but it's also a very serious Absolutely. job. Absolutely, very well stated, Shemaine, What are some of the more well, what are the favorites of the animals that you have at your facility? That's like saying that I have a favorite child. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, you know. We we have uh we have probably about 180 animals here. Um a large portion of them being reptiles. We have about 27 big cats right now. Um you know, I love the tigers. I can communicate um well with the tigers. They're very verbal. Yeah. That way, you know, it's not like they say hi, you know, good morning or anything like that, but they're very verbal. Uh-huh. Um, and so I really enjoy that. Uh, my favorite cat, I think, of all time is a Canadian lynx, which we are going to actually be getting pretty soon from a person that um, is going to bring it over for us to care for for the rest of the duration of its life. Uh, so I'm very excited that another Canadian is coming uh, because I haven't had one in probably about 10 years. Oh, okay. uh, so I'm very excited about that. But, you know, all of the animals here are just, you know, it's, it's, I, it's hard to put in words uh, how much it enriches our lives to be around these animals. You know, to see the difference we're making in their lives, to mm-hmm. see the improvements. We'll have some, let's say, for instance, some of the parrots come in here bald because they've been picking up their feathers. Aww. And with proper diet, proper enrichment, uh, maybe possibly sometimes medications or whatever we have to do towards animals, you'll see the difference. You'll slowly start seeing the animal's eyes perk up. You'll see uh, their attitudes change. You'll, you'll see differences in them, and that is overwhelmingly enjoying because you know that you had a part in that. And that's something I emphasize to my volunteers Mm -hmm. is that be proud of the work that you're doing. It's hard. It's laborious. You know, you're tired. You're covered in mud, poop, and everything at the end of the day. (laughs) But know that when that tour comes through, in fact, this happened a week ago, my volunteer heard the tour that went through comment about how clean our facility is, how uh, great the animals looked, how happy they looked, and you know, all of this. And she was so proud of herself. I'm like, that right there, you can never pay somebody enough to have that feeling mm-hmm. that you got right now. Absolutely. When people come into your facility, is it always a guided tour, or can they do self-guided walks through the facility? You can do self-guided um, tours. We have the two different tours here, the guided tour and the self-guided tour. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little bit of a, a pay difference, but um, 
you know, the staff, the, the volunteer staff is always around and available to answer any questions, even if you go on a, a regular tour, okay. uh, not a guided tour. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we try to make the experiences both just as enjoyable as the other. Um, and how long do you think it takes to, to tour the whole facility? You know, it just depends on the person. We've had some people that have just, like, zipped through it, and we've had some people that really take their time and, 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 and enjoy the animals. Uh, so, I mean, I could say probably you can go through our facility in about an hour, hour and a half. Okay. And if you wanted to just really enjoy and take your time, you could probably spend the whole day there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have people that will have birthday parties here. We have school tours. We have uh, uh, church groups that come. We have boys. Girl Scouts, there's different prices for those kinds of groups. Also, uh, we have picnic tables. We're hoping to add a playground soon. Uh, we've extended the barn out, uh, area where all the barn animals are. Uh, so there's always things in the works to try to make not only the animals' uh, lives better, but to also keep bringing people in so that they will donate the money. They will come in for tours and tell others. Excellent. And do you have concessions there if somebody wanted to go have lunch there in the middle of their visit? We have a very little, tiny, little snack <laughs> area, <laughs> which, um, you know, uh, maybe we'll put a little bit more effort to work on. I do know that if we make it any much bigger, then, of course, we have to pay for another permit to uh -huh. have here. So <laughs> we keep that basic minimum. But, yeah, there are some snack items. We do suggest to people that they bring their lunch because we do have the picnic area and okay. they can enjoy their lunch out there. Oh, excellent, excellent. And one more thing, I know that this is the time of year when people start seeing some of the local wildlife uh, causing mischief in the area, coyotes coming through, maybe even the occasional bear. Um, very quickly, what's your best advice to people so that they don't panic and, and freak out when they see their, their wild neighbors? Well, uh, different situations could happen. Try not to leave things out. When, if you know that you're tucked up into mountains, if you know you moved into an area that involves a lot of wildlife, then know that you are coexisting with them and take the proper measures. Don't leave small dogs or cats, you know, outside um, at nighttime, um, you know, things like you know where the predatory animals are going hunting. Don't leave uh, bowls of dog food and stuff out unless you really absolutely have to because you are going to bring in wildlife to come, especially like raccoons, mm -hmm. uh, to come in and feed. If they know they have the 24-hour buffet, <laughs> they're going to go there for their food source. They don't have to hunt because you're giving them what they need to survive. Mm -hmm. um, don't encourage, like, oh, look at, look at how cute the babies are. Let me touch it. You're either going to get bit and possibly by an animal that may be carrying rabies, or you're going to be encouraging that animal to keep coming back because right. it feels safe and it wants to have their babies there. Mm -hmm. So then you're going to have a pest problem. Absolutely. If you um, see a wounded animal, call the proper authorities. Don't try to um, don't try to make it a pet by thinking, oh, I'll just take care of it and I'll keep it in my house and I'll love it forever. Though that is a nice gesture, that's not benefiting the animal. And those are the kinds of animals that might end up at your sanctuary. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, definitely the last request I truly have, we had a problem with this last year, if you see a baby animal, I can pretty much guarantee you that mommy's probably around somewhere. You're putting yourself in risk by trying to take the baby. But not only that, let's say you grab the baby and you take it back because you think it's so adorable, whether it's a baby cat, a baby raccoon, a baby possum, even a baby deer we had that last year. Wow. You are 
making the survival of that animal shrink down to almost nothing because you really cannot replace mommy. You know, it needs mommy. Leave it alone. Don't try to make it a pet. (laughs) And you are so right that the mom is probably very close by. Yes, but for her survival, she will hide, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, depending on the species of animal. So Mm -hmm. most of the time with with, uh, cats, uh, you know, like I'm talking bobcats, mm-hmm. uh, mommy will fight. Uh-huh. <laughs> so she'll come after you. But like deer and bunnies and stuff, they usually will hide somewhere hoping that you don't find their babies. And if you stumble across them, please don't take them. Okay. You know. Excellent advice. Shemaine, before I let you go, let's uh, give out your website so that anybody out there listening who would like to donate to your very wonderful sanctuary can do it online. It is foreverwildexotics.com. Oh, I'm sorry, dot .org. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was reading something. org. Excellent. Shemaine, you are always so fun to have on the show, and I want to thank you again for stopping by. Thank you so much. We need to take a very quick break now, but when we return, Carolyn Sharlin from the Benny Bunch has our annual Easter Benny Do's and Don'ts. So stay right where you are, and we'll be back with more of the Pet Place here on K-Mozart. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show, and I'd like to welcome our old friend Carolyn Sharlin from the Benny Bunch. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning. It's been a long time since we've spoken, probably about a year, actually. So I figured it was time to do our annual Easter Benny Do's and Don'ts conversation for our listeners. That sounds lovely. So I know that everybody always thinks of uh, giving children the cute little baby bunny for Easter, and that probably isn't the best idea, is it? That's correct. It's actually a terrible idea. Every year, thousands and thousands of baby bunnies die because of that awful situation where uh, people do buy them for their children and unfortunately don't find out about their care or what a big responsibility it is. It is a real huge responsibility, actually, and, and bunnies aren't the best pets for children because they're they're difficult to handle. They're not like a puppy or a cat where they're pretty robust and and can deal with a kid handling handling them in less than optimal ways. But a bunny can't be handled by somebody who really doesn't know what they're doing. That's correct. Um, even adults have a lot have a hard time picking up and holding rabbits. So you can imagine when a child does it. Um, unfortunately, a lot of rabbits um, are picked up by children. And when they jump down because they're not feeling safe, they often injure themselves and they can actually die from a broken back. So we do not suggest children ever picking up rabbits. And uh, it's very important for adults to learn how to do it correctly, too. It is. It's a challenge. I know that when I bring rabbits out to showcase for the Irvine's, uh, Irvine Animal Shelter's television show, those little guys sometimes will completely tear me up with their, their, their claws because... They're not happy about being picked up. They're nervous, and it's you, you don't want your kids getting scratched up like that. I can handle it because I'm used to it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And a lot of people think the rabbits are being mean and scratching, and, and they're not doing that at all. They're just scrambling because they don't feel safe, and so they, want, they like to have all four feet on the ground. So when children are involved, we suggest the children lay down on the floor with the supervision of an adult mm-hmm. and spend time with rabbits. 
And it's really important that rabbits have things to chew on that you want them to chew on. Otherwise, you're going to have a lot of chewed baseboards and furniture and all kinds of things like that. So what can you do if you do get a rabbit? What can you do to prepare your home ahead of time so that your rabbit just has the correct things to chew on? That's that's a great point there. It's very important for people to realize they do that because some people don't want things chewed. And because rabbit's teeth continually grow, they are going to chew. So you can give them, there's all kinds of chews and toys that you can get that are safe for rabbit, made out of different grasses and willow. Um, However, you have to keep in mind, even when you provide all the right things, they still can chew things that you leave out or they can chew your coffee table or baseboard. So that's something definitely people need to realize before getting a rabbit. Well, can you set up a playpen area for them? Yes, definitely. You can use much like a puppy pen, an exercise pen. That We do suggest you do that inside the home if you don't want your rabbits to be free roam. It needs to be big enough to have a nice big litter box, a hidey house, and toys and shoes in there. Uh, four foot by six foot is, is a good size. Um, four foot by four foot is the minimum size we would ever suggest for them to live in. Okay. And we don't condone at all putting a rabbit outside in a rabbit hutch, right? That's correct. Hutches are too small for rabbits, and they have a wire bottom generally, which is bad for their feet. And the other thing is, a lot of times people will forget about the rabbits when they're outside. Um, There's predators out there, and of course the heat can kill them too. And they're also real susceptible to super cold weather like we've had in the recent weeks. That's correct, yes. When when it gets cold, you've got the rabbits not be outside. It's very dangerous for them. They can't take the cold, and the heat is is very bad also. The one thing that I like to remind everybody about is a caged animal does not ever fully develop emotionally. Nobody would. I mean, imagine putting a human into a cage for its entire life and and not giving it interaction or the ability to explore its world or anything. It it would be developmentally disabled, and that's what you do to an animal if you stick it in a cage for its whole life. It needs to be where it can explore, where it can play with things, where it has interaction with a buddy and with its people. And would you also recommend that people get two rabbits rather than one rabbit for it to be a happy little bunny? Definitely. Rabbits naturally live in family groups, and so when you do have a single bunny, that bunny can it will get bored, will get lonely. I honestly believe that in old age, uh, rabbits do tend to support each other, and I think you know it helps them live longer, happier lives to live with at least one other rabbit. And it's really that mu- not that much more care either. If you're going to have one, you're going to have a certain amount of care. If you have two, it really doesn't change that much. Exactly, yes. And one thing I find that when a rabbit lives with another rabbit, um, it's not going to be so bored and so mischievous. So when you're away, the rabbits have each other and going to tend to be together rather than out searching for things to get into trouble with within your home. And they groom each other, too. Oh, yes, they do. And that's another good point. When rabbits get older, they can often have different things happening with them. We had a rabbit that had... um, a runny eye problem, and after all the medical treatment still had it, well, it's part, we bonded it to another bunny. That bunny took care of that eye, kept it all clean, and uh, yeah, so they definitely should live with another rabbit. Uh, And you guys have a lot of rabbits that are available for adoption, so if you do really want to adopt a bunny for Easter, I would recommend visiting one of your borough locations. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Yes, um, we have, uh, we're in Montclair. We have an adoption center in Montclair where we have a lot of rabbits. And then we've just opened a new adoption center in Fountain Valley where we also have a lot of rabbits. And we suggest people come in and spend some time. We've got volunteers that can tell you all about rabbit care, what to expect, what not to expect. Get to know the rabbits. We know all their personalities. They're all spayed and neutered already. And so we love to have people come and stop in and see us. That's wonderful, and I think it's really great that you talked about the litter box because so many people don't know you can actually litter box train a bunny. How does that work? Let's give the the quick rundown. Well, surprisingly, they actually litter box train themselves. Rabbits are very tidy animals, very clean, so they like to go to the bathroom in the same spot. Um, It is important to make sure they are spayed or neutered, however, because that makes a big difference with litter box training. But you just get a nice big litter box, big enough for the rabbit to lay down and stretch out, and use a rabbit-safe litter on the bottom, and then pile it full of hay, uh, which encourages the rabbit to jump in, graze on the hay, and poop at the same time. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that doesn't sound very appetizing, but I guess they don't mind. (laughs) That's right. A lot of people think, oh, my goodness, my rabbit's going to eat where it's going to the bathroom. But what a lot of people don't know is rabbits actually eat their own poop, so it helps their digestive system. Oh, And so, yeah, so they're big grazers, kind of like horses, like the poop and graze at the same time. (laughs) Well, I suppose that that makes their their, uh, cleanup pretty simple then because... The little pellets that they leave behind are really nothing more than than hay and That's and uh, and the vegetables that they eat. So it's pretty. Uh, there's there's not much to complain about. Right. Yeah. That's correct. And how often would you recommend cleaning the litter box? It depends on how many rabbits you have using it. Um, but if you just if you have a pair of rabbits and you have you know good sized litter box, I would suggest um, every two to three days. Okay, okay, that's not bad. And what is the general diet that somebody should give to have a nice, healthy rabbit? The most important thing is hay. 80% of a rabbit's diet should be hay, and for an adult rabbit, that's grass hay, such as Timothy hay or our bunny bunch blend. Um, Pellets should be limited. A lot of people think, I don't want my rabbit to go hungry, so I'm going to fill up the bowl of pellets. Well, that's the worst thing you can do. You have to think of pellets as more of a treat. And so the average rabbit is about five pounds, and we suggest about an eight to a quarter cup of pellets a day, and that's it. Okay, okay. Otherwise, you're going to get a, a very yeah, obese and then, bunny. Then nice veggie salads such as parsley, cilantro, different types of lettuce. Um, but that's it. Yeah, you want them to graze on hay available all day long, limited pellets, and a nice veggie salad. In the last seconds that we have here, let's give out your website. Okay, it's bunnybunks.org. And you can get a lot of great information there. Carolyn, it was so much fun talking with you today. Thanks for stopping by the show. Thank you very much. We need to take one last break now, but don't go away because we'll be right back with Pet Place News and Events here on K-Mozart. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett. And it's time for Pet Place News and Events. 
on Saturday, March 30th from 12 to 4 p.m., Orange County Small Paws will be holding an adoption event at the Petco's in Irvine on Culver Drive and Huntington Beach on Adams Avenue. Lots of beautiful lap-sized pets will be available for adoption. For more info, visit www.ocsmallpaws.webs.com. And don't forget to check out our website at www.petplace.org to send us your comments or suggestions for the show and see what other fun animal-related activities there are on the Pet Place calendar. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place here on K-Mozart. I'm Marie Hewitt. Please spay or neuter your pets and have a wonderful day. (laughs) 